Good evening to all of you. It is a beautiful evening. We open the Word of God this evening to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, where our text we will find in verses 9 and 10. And here the word of the living and the true God reads, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. The title of tonight's message is, Reasons for salvation. Now it is not reasons why we were saved, but what we were saved for. What we were saved for. Our salvation is the single greatest accomplishment that mankind has ever known. There will will be no greater work. It It is the most marvelous work. That is one of the reasons why the Lord Jesus is called wonderful. Isaiah 9, 6 calls him wonderful. Now, not only is he a wonderful counselor, but that word wonderful is a noun. It is not an adjective describing the type of counselor he would be. He himself is wonderful. He is marvelous, full of wonder to us. We love to tell the story about what the Lord Jesus did for his people. We love to discuss how he has saved us. But did you know that coming to understand The salvation that the Lord has wrought on your behalf does have strings attached. Being saved does not have strings attached. That is all unconditional on our behalf. But coming to the understanding of that truth, there are strings attached to that. We're we're bought with a price, know you not? We're not our own. Therefore, we are to glorify God in both our body and spirit, which are God's. What is it then that we are saved from and unto? Thank you, brother. Well, our text tonight declares that unto us. For they themselves, that is, that is those where, where the Thessalonians had sounded out their word, you see in verse 8, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to Godward, or toward God, is spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. For they themselves, that is, the people that that the Thessalonians had spoken to, show of us what what manner of entering in we had unto you. That is, when Paul and those with him came to Thessalonica, how how effective their words were, what, what they taught them. You read the book of Acts, Paul was only in Thessalonica three Sabbaths, at most five weeks, and he left a functioning church. <clears throat> what, what, a, what a missionary statement that is. Three Sabbaths and he left a functioning church. But for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. How, how effectual, how quickly they, that all of this was worked in them. How ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, before we get to what we are saved from and unto, I would like to discuss very briefly how it is that they were turned, because it says, how ye turned to God. How were they turned? Come to the gospel according to John. <clears throat> we know, we know that, the, that the turning comes from the new man that is imparted. 
John chapter 3 and verse 3. Nicodemus has come to, to see the Lord Jesus. We've discussed this passage before. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, then you might have in your marginal reading, that again could also be rendered from above, because both are true. It would be a second birth, and it would be from above. Unless a man be born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In that second birth comes an imparting of a new nature, the new man, as it is described elsewhere in the New Testament. That new man has new desires. That new man wants to do different things. That new man has, uh, desires the Lord, desires to seek the Lord, wants to follow in all of his ways, does not want to worship idols any longer. That new man, <clears throat> that new man cannot sin because he's born of God. That new man doth not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin. Come to Ezekiel. This is, this is the passage that very, very well may be the passage, Ezekiel 36, that the Lord Jesus would be referencing to Nicodemus, who was supposed to be one of the greatest teachers in Israel. And Nicodemus is going to marvel. What? What are you talking about? Can a man be, enter into his mother's womb when he's old? Nicodemus had no idea what Jesus was talking about. And Jesus said, how could you, you're a teacher at Israel and you know not these things? Ezekiel 36, verse 25, <clears throat> the Lord gave these words, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. Now, mothers, of your sons especially, have your sons ever been so dirty that they come into the house and they're covered in mud and, and you're... you're you're furious about how dirty they, they got their clothes and, and how they're not going to walk in your house like that. So you pick them up and take them to the bath and you say, you will be clean. That's what the Lord's saying to them. They don't have a choice. They shall be clean. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you an heart of flesh. Now stone, when you pinch stone, when you, when you flick stone, it doesn't respond. But a heart of flesh, it will. It, it is alive. A heart of flesh will respond. It has the ability to respond and a desire. This, this heart of flesh will have a desire to respond. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. That all comes with the new man. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. This is speaking specifically to the people of Israel, though it is spoken specifically to them. Romans 15.4 says, Whatsoever was written aforetime was written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. While this is written specifically to Israel, this same thing happens to each and every one of God's children. Each one of them has a second birth. Each one of them has, their, has a stony heart taken out and a heart of flesh imparted. They're, amen, brother. This, this same thing happens to every child of God. <clears throat> and we, we learn from this that it is God who causes us to do what is well-pleasing in His sight as well as many other passages. And for 1 Corinthians 15.10, to, to be specific... He's one. 
Here the word of God states, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. That is, the, the, the working of that grace, grace for works, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was, which was with me or in me. It is the grace of God that, that works in us. It is he that works in us. It, is, it, is everything, it has everything to do with him why we perform anything that is well-pleasing in his sight. Now, remember, they were turned. Come back just a few chapters to chapter 6. They were turned from idols. Why were they turned from idols? 1 Corinthians 6 includes idolatry and a list of things that the Lord God will not allow his people to remain in. Verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 6, Nay, Ye, ye do wrong and defraud, uh, defraud that your, your brethren. Know ye not that the righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And as, as a preacher, I must let you know that nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That is, uh, there is a Greek term there, arsenokoites, which is one Greek term using, re- referencing both sides of that relationship. Arsenokoites was translated homosexual in 1946, 48, something like that. There's a movie coming out specifically about that. I must let you know that they are attacking what the Bible teaches right in this passage. I must let you know that, that they are saying that that's an improper translation. Well, here I have, we have a proper translation, and it's saying the same thing. They're saying that, oh, the Bible, the Bible actually made all those things okay, and it's these ugly, hateful Christians that made it not okay. That is not the case. God has been clear about these things from, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, what, he, what pleases him and what does not please him. <clears throat> These things, notice the second thing in that list, idolaters. Idolatry is not something that the Lord God will allow his people to remain in. He saved them from that. You know that you, you and I, we may not have done everything on that list, but we're guilty of at least one of those things. We all were saved from one of those things or, or some other list of, of uh, habitual sin that the Lord will not put up with. Maybe many others. But this, this is the one that, that the Thessalonians were saved from. Imagine how many gods they were serving in their daily life, in, in the Roman pantheon or, the, or whatever Greek gods that they worshipped. <clears throat> but they were saved from that. They were saved from idolatry. Why? How you turn to God from idols, back in 1 Thessalonians 1.9, from idols to serve, to serve the living and true God. Now, some may wonder why, why every time do you, when you get up to read Scripture that this is what the word of the living and the true God, this is how the word of the living and the true God reads. This is the passage where I get that phrase. He is the living and the true God. He's not a dead and a false God. He is the living and true God. He is also the God of the living, just as he is the God of Jacob, uh, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not the God of the dead, but the living. So they're turned from idols to serve God. You know that that's an opportunity that we get? 
That precious, uh, that is a precious, precious truth that we get the opportunity. We're given the ability to serve our, to serve the God of the universe, that he has saved us from serving false gods, things that don't, the things that don't even exist. They're not even true to serve him. What a blessing, what a gift that is in and of itself. Now, are there other passages that teach that we are to serve him? Yes, absolutely. Come to Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> a passage that we've, we've no, doubt, uh, no doubt discussed. But Romans 12.1. I beseech you therefore. Therefore, backing up to figure out what the therefore is therefore. Romans 1 through 11. How God has saved us. How, how we were dead in sin, how we didn't want anything to do with him, how we failed him at every turn. But by his grace and by his might and by his work, he has saved us and that he is sovereign in that work and that he hasn't cast off the Jews, that blindness in part has happened to them until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Romans, Romans 11 is all about how, how marvelous his, his plan of salvation was. Who has been his counselor? Paul, Paul breaks out in, in, in rejoicing over the, over the mind of the Lord. How, how uh, unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. How great is our Lord to do this very thing. Only he could come up. Only he could, could uh, come up with the storyline that he has. Only he could create all that he has and, and done it in just such a way. As he has. Only he could do that. It's not, it could not be concocted by men or a committee of men. It's impossible. Because of all of that, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living, not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Serve God with your body. Serve God in all that you do. And he's going to go into what that looks like. In, in, in the rest of the book of Romans. <clears throat> and, and Ephesians 4.1, we've discussed, discussed that passage. It's a very similar passage, but come to, come to 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Do you know that we're, we're supposed to follow the steps of the Lord Jesus Christ? We're supposed to walk in his footsteps. Now that doesn't mean go crucify yourself. That's not what it's talking about. He served his father in everything he did. We're supposed to serve our God in everything that we do. Do everything. We're, we're supposed to do everything his way. We don't do it perfectly. We're not exactly like his beloved son in whom he's well pleased. But we can be a loved son in whom he is pleased. We're not exactly like the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're intended to walk as he walked, serving our Lord God in all that we do. And he is described as the living God 30 times in the scriptures. I found, I found that by searching the phrase living God 30 times in the scriptures. Now come to the Psalms and I'd like to show you what that's contrasted with. <clears throat> Psalm 135, 135 and, and verse 15, the idols of the heathen 
This is the same, the same term rendered Gentiles, the same word rendered nations. Our silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes they have, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. They that make them are like unto them. Vain, empty, useless. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Harsh words, but those are the words of God. That is, that is what he thinks of those that worship idols. We see why the Lord would not allow his people to remain in idolatry. Because it's useless. It's vain. There's no reason to it. There's no reason for it. It's not like you're going to get anything from worshiping an idol. So he turns his people from worshiping those idols. Those idols, those are the idols made with hands. Come to Acts and we'll see that Paul, Acts 17, adds one more, one more statement to that. Acts 17 and verse 29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. He's not talking about technology. My, my, your cell phone, we call a device. But that's not what the word device in the scriptures means. Device in the scriptures is man's imagination. By man's thoughts. Thoughts and devices, his counsels. Those idols that are created by man's thoughts, by man's device, that men concoct in their head. Those are idols also. Because many, many say that they worship the same Christ that's found in the scriptures. But when you ask them about who their Jesus really is, it's, it's one that they've concocted in their own mind and just named Jesus. I was there. I said that I worshiped Jesus, and that wasn't the case. I, I worshiped an idol that I named Jesus, and then my eyes were opened. My, the Lord opened my eyes and showed, showed me that that was not the case, that, he, that his scriptures are the only place in which we'll find the true Christ, in which we'll find the true Savior. So, they were saved from serving an idol, whether that idol was created in their, in their mind or that idol was created with man's hands, probably both. They were saved from serving that idol to serving the true and the living God. Now, the, the reason number two, why they were, what they were saved for, saved to serve the Lord God, but also, notice verse 10, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So we're, we are saved from serving idols to serve the living and the true God and to wait for his Son from heaven. Now, patience is not our strong suit, but here, in here we learn, we learn patience. We learn patience to wait for his Son. Now, why? Why are we to wait? What is, what is something that we look forward to? Come to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. For our conver- and here's just a, a confirming passage. For our conversation, that is our conduct, our manner of life, our, the way that we live, is in heaven. From whence, from where also, we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We look for him. We wait for him. We wait patiently, patiently for him. Come to the book of Hebrews. 
chapter 9, and verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Notice, notice it is the sins of many. It is not the sins of all. He has not bared the sins of all. Isaiah 53 even tells us, by, by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. How did he do that? Or he, he will bear their iniquities. He bore our sin. And that's why, that is how he justified us. He justified us on the cross. It isn't, it isn't later when we believe that we're justified. He even, he even bore our unbelief. We, do you know that we live in unbelief now, even though, even though we believe Christ died for our sins? We may not trust God in this aspect or that aspect. That's unbelief. Christ bore that also. Praise God for that. Praise God that he bore even that. So Christ once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Wait, I thought we were already saved. We are. It's talking about the full redemption of the purchased possession. When he comes back, we'll, in the twinkling of an eye, we will all be changed. Our spirit, think of it this way, our spirit has been saved. Our soul is being saved as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are, I'll, I'll, before we go there, I'll, we are a tripartite creature. We are, we are three parts that are required for our existence. We're not a triune creature, three, uh, three equal parts that are all equally, that are all equally the one part. That's not, uh, we're not like God. We are a tripartite creature, three parts necessary for the existence of the creature, body, soul, and spirit. Some people like to say that the spirit and the soul are the same thing. That's not true. The spirit separates, or the, the word of God separates. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, even dividing between soul and spirit. It shows us the difference. We, may not, we won't understand the difference separate from the word of God. We are a three-part creature. Our spirit is saved when, we come, when, when we're born again. Our spirit is saved. Our soul is being saved as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And our body will be saved at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the second time. That, that salvation, without sin unto salvation, is the full redemption of the purchased possession. When he comes, he will completely redeem all, uh, all three, all three parts of us. We will be changed completely. We will be glorified in the twinkling of an eye. We'll be made in, into his image, be glorified as he is glorified. So we look for him to come to us in 1 John 1 John 3 and verse 2 says the same thing. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We are now, not just, not just later. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we, know, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When he comes, we'll be made like him. When, when he comes, we'll be made just like he is. We'll be conformed completely to his image. And what a blessing. What a blessing that will be. Now these two things are so important. These two things, what we're, what we're saved to, to serve, to serve the Lord God and to wait for His Son. These two things are so important that they're put together time and time and time again in the New Testament. <clears throat> come, to, come to 2 Thessalonians. 
2 Thessalonians 3 and, and verse 5. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. Now, preacher, I thought you said that we were, we were saved to serve the Lord God. Well, we are. Why, where, would, where does our serving him come from? It comes from our love for him. He's, he's saved us. He's the one who's provided everything we've ever needed. He's the one who's done absolutely everything for us. For we have nothing of which we did not receive, even our name. We didn't, we didn't come up with our own name. Somebody else had to tell it to us. We've received everything. Oh, well, I worked for that money. Well, somebody still had to give it to you. We've received everything. And who gave you the ability to do that work? It's the Lord God. Who gave the company the money to pay you with? Also the Lord God. Everything goes back to Him. He is the one who has given all things. We serve Him out of love and, and devotion to Him. And into the patient waiting for Christ. We wait for Him. We wait for Him. We look for His coming. Titus, come to the, come to the epistle to Titus, chapter 2. Verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. We should do that now. We shouldn't just live righteously in the next life, but we should do those things now. We will live righteously in the next life, for this old man will be shed, and we'll have no desire but for anything righteous. So we, and, and that's describing how we would serve the Lord God. Looking and looking for that blessed hope. What is that blessed hope? And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That could also be rendered. And that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because He is our great God. He is our great Savior. And He is the one that will be appearing. It, it could be rendered both ways, and, and that's what it's referencing, the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the blessed hope, the blessed expectation. We look for that. We wait for that. We expect it to happen because God promised that it would happen. He didn't promise that it would happen in our lifetime, but he promised that he will send his son the second time without sin unto salvation. He promised that that would happen, so we wait. We wait patiently, and we serve God not only in the assembly, but well, we serve him outside of the assembly as well. We serve him everywhere, all the time. And come to first or Second Peter, excuse me, Second Peter three, and verse verse eleven. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? How should we live? Looking for and hasting unto the day of uh, unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So we we should be a people in holy conversation and godliness, serving God. How how would how would the Lord God define those very things? Be living in His ways, walking walking as He has prescribed for us to walk, and looking for, patiently waiting for. Watching, waiting, and hasting unto. Now this, this term, there's much discussion over what, what this term means. But I'll give you how it is elsewhere rendered. Make haste, haste, haste unto, with haste. So it's talking about making it go quickly. But we can't speed up time. 
I agree. We can't speed up time. But you know we can make time fly by. Every time I go to sleep, it's like that, it's like that night just flies by. Time flies when you're having fun, right? When you're serving the Lord God, walking in his ways, time will fly as well. You'll be, so, you'll be busy. And it's a good busy. The Lord gives grace to not be tired from all that, you, all that you do serving him. He will cause that time to fly by. It'll, it'll be, you know, every, every time that a week passes, you're like, where did it go? That's what, it's, that's what it's talking about. We can't speed up time, but we can make it fly by, by, by walking in the way that he has prescribed for us to walk. <clears throat> and that will, will be how we haste, haste unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. We wait. We wait for the Lord Jesus Christ. And do you know that he gave a parable specifically about this? Will you come to Luke chapter 12? Luke chapter 12 and verse 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. This is the the parable of the watching servants. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he cometh shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meat or to food, and will come forth and serve them. You know, we sing a hymn about the Lord Christ girding himself and serving us. That, this is where that hymn gets, gets that phraseology. Because he's comparing himself with us. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, that is... Uh, the day would be divided into four watches, if I remember, if I remember correctly. Six-hour watches. If he shall come in the second watch or the third watch, or maybe it was night divided into three-hour watches. I can't remember exactly, but he's talking about coming later. And find them so. Blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house be, to be broken though, to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. He tells us to be ready. He tells us to be looking. He tells us to be going about the business that we have been, that we have been prescribed to do. The church to, to do the things that the church is commissioned to do. Individual Christians to do the things that individual Christians are, 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 are told to do. These are very important uh, uh, important things for us to understand. It can be a tiring thing. We can get um, downtrodden in waiting. But we wait for a very good reason. Do you know that even the Apostle John desired for the Lord to come right then and there? You turn to the end of the book of the Revelation, chapter 22. <clears throat> In verse 17, we read what's commonly referred to as an invitation. But I'd like to show you that it's not an invitation to men. It's an invitation to one man. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let, let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Who is it that gives the water of life? The one, the one that thirsts, the one that is a thirst, he says, come. He, he, he that heareth, 
says, come, and the spirit and the bride, who's the bride? The church, the Lord's church, says, come. They're not speaking to men. They're speaking to one man. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take them away, we'll jump down to verse 20. He which testify these things saith, surely I come quickly or suddenly. He, doesn't, he wasn't talking about coming soon as in a couple of days. He's saying, when I come, it will be suddenly. It will be quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. They're desiring that the Lord Jesus would come, that he would come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Verse 12 says, and behold, I come quickly. I come quickly. I come quickly. Verse 7, behold, I come quickly. They're desiring that he comes. They're waiting patiently. We today, even so, come, Lord Jesus. We wait patiently. We serve God. We do, we do all that he has prescribed for us to do, waiting patiently for our Lord Jesus Christ to come and to, to rescue us, to fully redeem his, his purchased possession. He has purchased us body, soul, and spirit. And we desire for that redemption. We look forward to that day. We praise him and we glorify him in the meantime. Will you bow with me this evening? Our Father and our God, we thank you for having saved us. We thank you that you have turned us.